am so excited to get started. Hi, Umi. <laughs> Hi, Wendy. Good to see you. You too. Yeah. So, you know, I think even though we've talked before and it's out there, why don't you give everybody kind of a quick about your athletic career? Okay. Well, I am currently the head gymnastics coach at Rutgers University. I'm going on my fifth year here as head coach. Um, Prior to that, I was head coach at Temple University for three years. And then prior to that, I was an assistant coach at Rutgers for four. So this is my second go around at Rutgers, but um, I've had the opportunity to come back to be a head coach. So um, I'm excited about what we have done over the past four years, as well as what we plan to do in the future. Um, myself, I was a collegiate gymnast at uh, West Virginia University. So I competed for four years there on gymnastics scholarship. And uh, I was a club gymnast at Hills Gymnastics in Gaithersburg. Um, so I've had a lot of years in the sport of gymnastics. Yes. So that is amazing. Now, with all those years in gymnastics and we're calling this champion sports mom, how come your girls aren't gymnasts? <laughs> you know, I I often wonder that, wh- why that ended up being that way. Um, because, of course, gymnastics is the familiar sport to me. And I put my daughters in gymnastics. I actually put them in anything they were old enough to do, but hoping that with three that I would end up with at least one gymnast and uh, it did not stick. And gymnastics is a sport where you love it and you keep doing it or you find something else and um, it just was not for them. And I just wasn't the mom to say you have to do a sport because I did it. I wanted to find something that was a good fit for them that they really love that they were going to thrive in. So um, we tried it all. <laughs> Gymnastics was just one sport that we tried, but we re- we really did try them all. So you say soccer, of course, track. What other ones did they try? Oh, goodness. So as as soon as they were old enough, we were doing mommy and me swim class at like six months old. <laughs> so I was going to get the kids active and moving even from the time that they were babies. Um, so we did swimming. Um, we did gymnastics when they could start crawling. So it was the mommy and me gymnastics. And then they went through to the preteen with that. Um, at three, they started soccer. Um, we did softball. We did lacrosse. We did competitive swimming. Um, goodness, what else? Um, I feel like I'm missing a sport. Uh, and the, oh, track, <laughs> what they ended up right. sticking with. Um, we started track at five, seven, and nine. Um, that's how old the girls were when they started. And it was something that they continued to do. Um, they did tennis camps as well as and also basketball camps. So those are two other sports that we added in there just to kind of expose them to it. But it wasn't something that they were begging to go back to. So um, we liked the exposure, but uh, we left it to them to decide what they were going to continue with. Oh, and there was golf in there too. My oldest did uh, golf in high school. <laughs> oh, wow. So this is interesting. So I know a lot of parents ask, Let's say you're trying sports, right? Which I think exposure is a really good thing. So do you kind of have a rule like you have to finish out the session or the semester or, yeah, how did you approach that? Yes. So um, we we never quit what we start. Um, If we 
enroll in the year, we see it through and then we reevaluate if it's something that we want to re-enroll in or if we want to try something else. Um, my rule is that you have to be doing something physically active. They they never have an opportunity to not do something that's good for their bodies. So of course, we focus on school. That's something that is a constant, but so is physical activity. And it, it doesn't have, it didn't have to be something competitive. It could have been something that was non-competitive, but they had to do something that was physically active and we, we let them have that choice. Um, and really our trade-off was we did not allow our, our daughters to have cell phones until they were in high school. So of course we were the, the toughest parents on the planet because everybody had cell phones in elementary school and we were saying, you know, we're not those parents. So you, this is something you have to earn. Um, the one little caveat was if they got straight A's in middle school, then they could get it in middle school. Um, so my youngest was the only one <laughs> that was able to get it in middle school. Um, the oldest two ended up getting it in high school. And the deal was for them to keep the phone, they had to continue doing something physically active because otherwise they wouldn't need a phone because they would be in the house. <laughs> so that was the choice. Um, it was stay physically active to keep your phone or decide not to do something physically active and you can give it back. Um, so of course they weren't giving it back there <laughs> <laughs> and they're very competitive kids too. So it really wasn't that hard for them to continue to stay physically active. That is interesting. I have to admit that's the first time I've heard that one. I really do. I'm always trying to get kids off their phones and, and you're trying to hold up, but I think that's a really good one. That's really interesting. So as they were doing all these sports, cause this is interesting. And I think staying physically active for sure. But how do you deal with, now they're in track and they're in the sport that you didn't, yeah, you weren't a track athlete, right? No. So how did you, how did you manage that? Because, you know, having them do a different sport that you didn't do. You know, I really actually liked it because I felt the more I knew about the sport, the more I would want to insert myself and um, I think as parents, sometimes we fall into that trap of wanting to critique things, even though it's, it's, it's for a good purpose. You want to try to encourage them along. But sometimes I feel like when we know a lot about a sport, then kids can sometimes feel as though um, they're not either living up to the expectation of what the parents already know. Um, so for me, I think it is easier to not have a knowledge of the sport. So I could just be the mom who's going to support and cheer. Um, with gymnastics, it was really hard for me to sit back in the waiting room and and look at what they were doing and not correct it. Or you know, I'm sitting here like, oh, why don't they correct that? I know that they need to, to, to correct that. And, um, and then have to drive home and not say something because I was letting the coaches you know, manage what needed to be done. Um, in those scenarios, I would say that I waited for them to ask me for help when they were doing gymnastics. With sports like track and soccer, I don't know anything about those sports. I'm like, you look like you were playing really well. <laughs> you gave a great effort. And you know, those are the things that I say um, because I just don't have a knowledge. And I think that um, I probably could dig into finding out the roles of those sports, but I'm pretty comfortable in the role of just being that support person that you know, takes them to practice, asking them how it how it went, how they felt about it, and um, you know, in that way, it's it's completely 
in their wheelhouse. It's they're in control of what they're doing and they don't feel like there's any pressure from me as mom um, other than to just encourage them and tell them they're doing a great job. Now that's interesting. And that's, that's really great. And you said like to keep the pressure off because, you know, in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, there's been a lot more pressure from parents with their kids putting them in youth sports, right? Sometimes it's the cost of it and they want to, I don't know, you know, they're paying a lot. So they're expecting a lot, but your take on it was really more from the side. And I know parents really want to get more involved. And let's, let's talk about one thing. What about coaching? So let's say that in track, which you're not as familiar with, did your daughters ever come and say, I'm not feeling this coach or he's that he or she is not giving me what I need? Yes. Um, and, and I think for me, it is a little bit different because I am a coach. So I know what it's like to be a coach. And I also know that you do want your athletes to be able to communicate with you. And, and me at the collegiate level, the parents are not the ones that I want to be hearing from. I want to be hearing from the athletes. And so that's something that I really encourage my daughters, even from the time they were little, was to talk to your coach, communicate communicate to your coach that, no, I'm having trouble with this. Is there something that you can help me with so I can figure this out? Um, and I really armed them with a toolkit and gave them talking points so that they could go to their coach and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with. Can you help me? Um, because I I really wanted them to know that, yes, I supported them and I understood that they might have been having challenges with their coaches, but I wasn't going to be the parent to fight the battle for them when it's their sport and it's something that they love. Um, because I have seen parents do that. And I think you're hindering your child when you're not giving them the ability to at least tell their side of things coming directly from them. And I think that's how you get your children to grow and to mature and be able to advocate for themselves. Um, I know when my youngest daughter was playing soccer and she was having some challenges with a coach, um, she was probably, I want to say, eight or nine years old. And And she was telling me that she was upset and she felt like her coach was yelling at her. And and I would have to say, well, is the coach yelling directly at you or are they yelling so that you can hear them on the field? And she couldn't differentiate um, the two of those things. And I said, okay, well, this is what we'll do. I'm going to have you talk to your coach and I will be there. I'm going to be there to support you, but I'm not going to be talking to your coach. You're going to talk to your coach and you're going to say, no, it it bothers me when I feel like you're yelling at me. And um, of course, she was the most nervous to be able to do that. And I was like, <laughs> I can't do this, mommy. I can't do this. I'm like, yes, you can. You need to be able to tell your coach how you feel. And they're going to respect the fact that you came to them and said, no, these are what I'm feeling. These are things I'm having difficulty with. Can you help me? And you're creating that dialogue. And I think um, when we ended up having that opportunity, of course, she was telling me, mommy, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. And I'm like, oh, we're going to do this. (laughs) Um, That afterwards, when we had a conversation, she realized that her coach didn't realize that that was affecting her. And now he knew. And then she felt good about herself for being able to have that conversation with her coach. And after that, I've never had to go back and talk with her and a coach. She's done it herself. 
Um, so I think it's really important as parents to really arm our kids with those tools so that they can communicate with their coaches because it, yes, it's a sport that they love, but they need to also be able to tell how they're feeling about it so that they can work better with their coach and enjoy practices and feel like they are growing in the right direction. Do you think, or have you ever had to deal with the situation where it really was time to change a coach? Um, so I can say just from being a coach myself and having observation abilities and know what good coaching is and, and whether it's a sport that I'm familiar with or not, you, you know, good coaching, um, watching a coach, not really interact with the kids, just kind of let them go and be free and be on their phone. He's on his phone during the practice and at, at meets, not really help them to be able to develop ideas or plays. Um, yes, I have moved my daughter from one organization to another and then also telling the owner that these are the reasons why. Like We liked the organization. You switched this coach in. In my opinion, I felt like this coach was here to get an additional paycheck rather than develop the kids within a sport that they love. Um, and the owner definitely respected that. Um, we ended up leaving along with several other kids. Um, and that coach actually didn't last longer than a year after that. So, um, I, I think it's very important to also be able to observe and, um, and see what's going on. Because I think that you can trust your gut in knowing whether something is going to be beneficial for your child or something that is hindering them. That's really good because sometimes you find things and I hear things, I hear some parents say, well, they don't think that the coach is giving them the attention. Now, this is a big thing, especially when you go to team sports, right? My child is not getting enough playing time or even if you're in the gym or, or a gymnastics or anything that they're not getting the attention that they, that the parent thinks they want to have. So, so what do you do in a case where the parent thinks the coach is not really paying attention to the child or giving them like enough playing time if it's a, like a team sport. And that can be, ee, that's a tough one. It is a tough one because you do have some parents that um, can be a bit overbearing and maybe their perception of things is a little different. Um, and I would say in that scenario that I would hope that the coach would be able to explain this is how we do things. This is the process that we go through. Um, these are the benefits of the way we do things. And then it would be up to the parent to really judge the situation and feel as though, yes, that is an adequate response or no, that's an excuse. And I'm not feeling as though this is something that is working well for my child. Okay. No, that's good. I think the other thing that you did, which I think is good for parents to know and moms to know, is that you talked to the organization. Like you just didn't like zip out. You're like, I'm out. <laughs> you and other parents didn't just like turn around and leave. You kind of gave some feedback or reason or heads up or something. Right. Yeah. I think that makes a difference to either make the situation better or actually tell your child that if you come against something, you should be explaining it before you leave a situation, right? You know, because yeah, yeah, it's not moving that way. So what over the time, so tell me about your daughters. We've been talking about, talking about them. Explain the age. They're kind of soccer and track at this point, but give a little background about them. 
Yes. Okay. So my oldest daughter, Amira, is 19. She is a sophomore in college and she is on the cross-country track and field team at Georgian Court University in Lakewood, New Jersey. So it's a Division II university, um, small school, but uh, it was a perfect fit for her. Um, and I think going through the recruiting process with her, it was um, it was definitely interesting because it's a sport that I'm not familiar with, the recruiting aspect of cross-country and track and field, and then navigating through COVID was also very interesting um, (laughs) because of our state rules about leaving the state. So um, that was a fun experience. So she is a cross-country track and field athlete. Um, Prior to doing cross-country track and field, she competed in um, tennis her freshman and sophomore year in high school, as well as uh, golf. She was only the only female on the golf team at her high school, um, but ultimately ended up landing on cross-country track and field to pursue in college. Um, she was able to get a very nice um, athletic scholarship as well as merit scholarship that really helped to balance out the cost of her um, attending a private in- university. My middle daughter is 16, so she will be 17 um, in January, so soon. Um, She also is a track and field athlete, but she is a heptathlete. So she does multiple events in track and field. Um, She actually just committed to for track and field at Rutgers, committed early as a junior. Um, So she got a scholarship offer pretty early on um, to pursue track and field in college at Rutgers. So she's excited about that. Um, But she does high jump, long jump, shot put, hurdles, the 800 meter, the 400 meter, the 200 meter. (laughs) And um, javelin is new for her. So that's something that she's going to have to work on to do heptathlon in in college, but um, she's excited about um, the potential of being a heptathlete. Um, and uh, she also played field hockey for a number of years. Um, this is the first year that she decided not to play field hockey and focus primarily on track. But um, she was also a two-sport um, athlete. And then my youngest, um, she is 14. She's currently um, finishing up her soccer season, but she is a middle distance track runner as well. So she's shifting from soccer season into indoor track and outdoor track season. Wow, that's amazing. And you know what's also so interesting, which has been a common thread, especially from her daughter's life, is that they're not one athlete um uh, athletes, right? They're not one sport athletes because mm-hmm. there's been a big thing and people, mm-hmm. and I believe it too, but people have been saying, you know, kids can, why focus really from the sport and age of not eight or nine, like we did as gymnastics, because I know we did. Yes. But, <laughs> but I think, talk about how it's been for them to do multiple sports. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very new for me as well, because From a young age, I was focused only on gymnastics. So the whole two-sport mentality, um, and I've done a lot of reading and research on the benefits of doing multiple sports um, to prevent burnout as well as to prevent overusage of certain muscle groups. Um, So I would say that 
Of course, the fall was always the most difficult for us because we were juggling three different sports. We were juggling soccer with the youngest, field hockey with the middle, and tennis with our oldest. So that was a challenge, getting them to multiple practices until my oldest could drive on her own. Um, Once they got into indoor and outdoor track season, that was easy because they were all doing the same thing. They were going to the same practices, (laughs) so we only had to go to one place with all of them. but I can say that it it gives them downtime, even though that they're still doing something physically active year round, it's giving them a mental shift. So with my middle and my oldest, they were doing more of an upper body usage sport with the field hockey and the tennis. Of course, there was the cardio aspect of those sports that they were still getting, but they were utilizing their arms more than just their legs. Um, With track and field, they're just running down their lower body. So um, having a break from that, I think, really helped to heal those muscle groups and really work others that weren't getting utilized during track season. Um, Now, with my youngest, she's doing two different running sports where she's just using her lower body. But even in soccer season, um, I've even found that she has a different run for soccer than she does for track. So um, they're they're working on different skill groups, even though it is running. Um, and, and so it, it gives her a different shift of thinking um, when she's playing soccer versus running track. So um, I think for them, they, they look, they really looked forward to the different flows of the change in sport. Um, that for them was something that, um, you know, they weren't getting they weren't having to really think about the same thing all year long. It was like, okay, I see an end point to this one sport where I can reset and have a beginning for something else. Um, so it, they really just never got burned out. It was like, okay, I know that from this time frame to this time frame, I can focus on this one particular sport and then I'll shift my thinking to think about another. Um, so I think that it was refreshing for them to be able to have the change in sports throughout the year. Oh, that's interesting. So another question is you being the head coach at Rutgers, because a lot of parents, you know, as they're preparing and they may have seen their eight-year-old there, you know, in their eyes, I went, they're going to get a full ride to some sport in college. So give a bit of a big breakdown because now you, you know, as a parent and as a coach at a college, but now with your daughter in a different sport, kind of an overview, a more reality check about how, the collegiate athletic part works? You know, I would say that collegiate athletics should not be the ultimate goal, especially with youth sports. You want your kids to be really just experiencing and learning something. Um, They're getting physical activity. They're learning how to be a teammate. They're learning how to manage their time. These are great life skills that they're learning through sport. Um, so many parents fall into the trap, especially if they see talent in their child young to really focus on, oh, this is going to push for a scholarship. And I think that is the wrong mindset because I think you're adding way too much pressure in an early age for a child. You want them to go out and have fun, (laughs) go out, have fun, make friends, and and be healthy doing something that you enjoy doing. Um, yes, the, the collegiate aspect of sport 
is always going to be there. Um, Now, whether or not your child lasts long enough to be able to get to that point is another thing. You want them to continue to love what they're doing because if they get burned out or they feel pressured, they're going to quit or they're just not going to give the effort. And then in all of those scenarios, they don't end up reaching collegiate athletics because they've They've put in the time. They don't want to pursue it because it's not something that they love anymore. And um, and, and they don't want their parents really putting the additional pressure on them. So I would say that if you as a parent continue to encourage them to pursue a sport and pursue it because they love it, then hopefully collegiate athletics will be something that will be in their future. And there's so many different aspects of collegiate sports, whether it's a club team that you're participating on in college, whether it's a Division three program that you're participating in, Division two, Division one. There's so many different outlets for you to be a collegiate athlete without being a Division one, Power five, full scholarship athlete, because that is really the minority of athletes that get that opportunity to be at the highest level. But of course, with being at the highest level, that's the ultimate pressure that you're going to end up getting. So knowing that if that's what you're pursuing, then you're pursuing something that is going to be high paced. It's going to be high pressure and it's going to be very structured where you're going to have to want that. And, and some kids don't. And, um, yeah, I would say with my oldest daughter, with her choosing Division Two over Division One, she herself said, I just don't want that pressure. I want to be able to run in college. I want to be able to enjoy it. I want to be one of the better ones on my team because I know I'll thrive if I'm one of the better ones because I want to continue to set that pace. And she had said herself that if I'm on a Division One program, you know, the expectation is going to be high. I might be struggling because my times are not matching up with the times of the top athletes on this team that I will probably end up quitting. And I respected that. And being a Division One coach, you have to be able to listen to your kids when they're telling you that that's not what I want for myself. I do want to have a taste of college athletics, but I don't want it like that. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and then there's the division three where it's kids that are doing college athletics for the love of the sport. There's, there's no scholarships that are offered out in division three athletics, but you are still getting the experience of being on a team, traveling, competing at a collegiate mm-hmm. level, which fits in very well with what a lot of kids are looking for. So th- there's so many different aspects, but as a parent being open to what it is that you're your child really wants. And, um, you know, having that experience with my oldest daughter and her telling me, and it took some time for us to sit down and and write a whole list of things that she was looking for and what she wasn't looking for to land in that spot. But um, having those conversations and really listening to what they're looking for so you can help navigate and guide them in a direction where they are going to fit in, in a place where they can thrive and really enjoy. Yeah, that's good. It sounds like a lot of your effort, which is great, which is focusing on what your child wants to do. Mm -hmm. It may take some work in finding that out, obviously, right? A lot of conversations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, but I think it makes a difference and um, because they'll be happier overall. I mean, if the parent wants to do it, I I tell parents, it's like, I'm glad you want to be doing it, but 
your child has to do this. (laughs) We can want it as much as as possible for our kids, but if they don't want it for themselves, they're the ones that are actually doing it. So, I mean, we have to listen to them. I think that's good. So let me ask you, because I think when you said your daughter, who's the heptathlete, which is kind of interesting because that is even a track and field sport, not a lot of athletes do that. No. Right. So weren't, weren't there more opportunities? You said she's just, she's just a junior, right? And she got she her is a junior, And because she's a heptathlete, she was in demand. Um, she's got some of the highest returning times in the state of New Jersey right now, as well as high jump heights. Um, so it's, it's not common that you find a jumper that's a sprinter who has also done shot put <laughs> and, and can run an 800 meter. So, um, I think we were just very lucky to land at a club track um, team where the coaches just exposed her to different events to really see where she fit, but found that she was thriving in all of them. Um, So she started out with a triathlon um, because as you get older, you add in more sports, more more events into um, the multi-event. So it starts out with the triathlon, then it goes to the pentathlon, and then the heptathlon. She competed in the triathlon and the pentathlon within USA Track and Field at their nationals. So having the experience with multiple events in one day, um, a lot of kids really just don't have that experience. Um, so every college coach that she was talking to um, was talking to her about the heptathlon, which she didn't really expect that she would do in college. So they were kind of planting that seed <laughs> in her head. And she was like, okay, I think, I think I'm receptive to this. I'm, I'm at a point where I think that I can tackle this. And a lot of them were saying that um, USA Track and Field is just very um, thin when it comes to female heptathletes, that it's a great opportunity for her to be able to compete at the world level um, wow. if she gets that experience. But most college programs don't have a female heptathlete. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's good to know. It's like it's like understanding that you have these other um, opportunities, basically, right, um, in the other sports. So that's interesting. So let me say, as we're coming, this has been a lot of really great information and stuff that I didn't know. And I think parents didn't, don't know um, to kind of hear the importance of listening to your child and letting them try things, communicating with the coach. That was really good. Having them advocate for themselves, I think it's really, really important because I, I swear half the coaches, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. And a lot of times they're they're not aware because coaches are working with multiple kids at a time. And of course, as coaches, we have to f- figure out personalities of each kid and I can coach this one this way and, and it's going to work. But if I have that same approach with this one, it's not going to work. So we're figuring a lot of things out too. And a lot of times if we can get insight from the athletes, then that helps us change our way of thinking and our approach so that we can get um, more positive responses from our kids. Even with my college athletes, and we sit down and, okay, let's go for a coffee and see if we can figure this out. And um, and, and, and I'll ask them, so what, what worked for you in the past? What techniques or drills that you did helped you to get more consistent with this skill because we want you to be successful because when you're successful, the, the team is successful um, and in approaching it in those ways. Um, so I think, it, it yes, as a coach, 
it's extremely important for us to hear from our athletes. And as a mom, it's very important for me to really equip my daughters with the ideas that they can bring to their coaches so that their coaches can help them be their best. Yeah, I think that's really good. And of course, respectfully, I think all parents need to know it's really oh, important. That you-, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't need to approach your coach as if you are a 35-year-old woman when you're 14 <laughs> because you are a child and you need to remember that you are a child and you have to talk to adults respectfully. Um, so yes, that is part of the conversation as well. <laughs> right. Sometimes kids forget. You never know. Yes, they do. And sometimes they feel like they can talk to their coaches like they talk to their friends. And and we have to reinforce that, you know, you, you talk to adults respectfully and there may be different conversations that you have with your friends, but hopefully those are respectful too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know because they're texting on their phone that they have yes, because yeah, they're active. <laughs> <laughs> At least your kids. Oh, this has so been delightful to be able to share this information. And I'm finding out a lot of things too. And, and I think a lot what you were saying was you got to listen to your child, what they want to do. I know my son, it's college time now. He's like, I am not looking forward to staying here in New York, New Jersey. I want to go out. I was like, okay, kind of, you know, because I was thinking with your daughter, she's going to Rutgers and you're there. You know, it, it surprised me when I've had the conversations with my two oldest, um, because we, we were looking at schools um, really kind of all over, but when we ended up landing in New Jersey with my oldest, it came down to the fact that she she was used to having my husband and I be able to have access to seeing her run. So she wanted us to be able to be there when she competed. And um, my oldest does not like driving. So when she was looking at those schools that were in North Carolina, we were saying, okay, so we're, we're going to drop you off in the fall and then you're going to drive yourself home. We probably can catch one one meet, maybe two a year, um, but it's a 10-hour drive, so be, be prepared for that. Just making sure she, she knew that, you know, this is how it's going to be. Um, and then her deciding that, okay, I don't want to be 10 hours away from home. I do want to have my parents involved in my college experience. And, you know, it is kind of nice to be able to drive home and wash laundry and not have to pay for it. So that was her way of thinking. Um, my middle daughter, when we were talking to a lot of colleges, um, she didn't want to go further away than she could drive home. She was open to going out of state. Um, but a lot of the colleges that she spoke to um, geographically were not the best fit for her. Um, she's become a New York, New Jersey girl. <laughs> and New York, New Jersey <laughs> girls are are used to having access to the city and going to see shows and going to the shore. And you know, when you're you're out in the middle of no, nowhere, you, you don't have access to those things. So um, that's how she ended up at Rutgers. So I have two kids that will be in New Jersey. And um, yeah, I don't know if my youngest will go too far out either. So yeah, we'll we'll see. But um yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that that my middle just decided that she wanted to commit early to Rutgers without really seeing a whole lot of other universities. That's interesting. So as we close out, do you have any other thoughts for moms of of kids that are doing sports? Because it's 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 you know, as athletes. It's a little bit easier for us because we've kind of been yeah. through it, so we know the drill. But what about parents that are just kind of, 
you know, going through it new with their, with their children? You know, I would say that one approach is not always the only approach. So the direction that I've gone with my daughters might not be the direction that works for other moms that are trying things out. I just knew for myself that that my kids were extremely active and I needed to kind of find a way to exhaust them. <laughs> so <laughs> keeping them active was a way for them to not destroy the house. So that worked for me. Um, I think it's really important to really t- talk to other parents too, see what works for them. And, and maybe they can tailor an approach with their kids that, um, you know, fits really well with them where they're pulling pieces from here and there and everywhere. And, um, it's kind of like me as a coach where I, I've taken pieces from my club coach, my college coach, and and then my own ideas and meshed them together to find an approach that works really well for my team. And I think sometimes parents feel like they're they're not taking the right approach, but I would say there's no one right approach. <laughs> it's it's finding out what works for for your kids, what what works for your family, because a lot mm-hmm. of times, um, you know, there there are options that you have to kind of step away from because they don't work well with your family or what you can commit to. So you have to find um, what's going to work within your family unit. Like, am I going to be able to get this one to practice forty five minutes away, or? Can I find a place that's 10 minutes down the road where I can manage with my work schedule and, you know, my spouse's schedule so that we can can make this work for the kids? Um, there's so many factors that go along with um, being able to find ways to help your kids progress within athletics, um, but it has to fit into the parameters of what you can give. Don't give more than you, <laughs> than more than you can give. Um because it can be exhausting. You'll exhaust yourself. You might exhaust your resources and you may exhaust the kids too, which could be good or bad. Um, so it's it's finding what's going to work well for you and your family unit. Um, and you know, it, never feel like you're letting down your kids because as parents, we sometimes want to fault ourselves all the time, but we are doing the best we can <laughs> with what we've got. So all you can do is the best you can. So um, that is always my approach is if I can look back and say, you know what, I gave the best I could and I'm doing what I can, then that's a success. That's great. Umi, thank you. <laughs> it's, you are so welcome, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to see you here, but I want to see you soon. You're not too far. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. We will be in touch soon.